Good morning, everyone. Great to have you here this morning. Hey, last week we began a new series uh, on the book of Colossians, as I, I think I mentioned at this service, but th- we're going to be working through the book of Colossians in an uh, expository sort of way. What that means is that the preaching is really going to look at uh, blocks of the scriptures found in the book of Colossians and, and working through that to really to try to comprehend uh, exactly what the book of Colossians is teaching us. Remember now, the city of Colossians was located in what is now modern-day Turkey. And the Apostle Paul, while he wrote to the Colossian church after receiving a report about the church from its founder, a fellow bondservant of Christ, Epaphras. And Epaphras brought Paul news about the Colossians' progress in faith and news about these false teachers that were speaking perverse things within the church, drawing disciples after them. These false teachers were seeking to draw the Colossian Christians' focus off of Christ. So we see the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes his epistle calling those who are in Colossae, those in Christ at Colossae, to keep their focus on Jesus Christ. Now, after reminding the Colossians that they were in Christ and thanking God for what he had done for, in their lives and praying that God would continue to do great things in their lives or in that church, the apostle focuses first and primarily on the problem of these false teachers and what they were teaching within the church of Colossae. We see basically these false teachers were teaching that Christ was not enough. Christ was not enough to enjoy the fullness of God. What they were teaching was Christ was not sufficient. Now, these false teachers, they taught that a person needed a, a mystic insights from angelic visions in order to receive the full knowledge of God. So the apostle, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he will now face these heretics head-on by exalting the supremacy of Christ. We see that the apostle will exalt Jesus Christ as the image of the invisible God, the creator and sustainer of all things, and the head of the church. And the apostle will destroy their empty deception by showing that as a result of the supremacy of Christ, we have the fullness of God and all things will be reconciled and we have the opportunity to enjoy the full riches of the gospel. Now, some scholars have labeled the book of Colossians as the quote, most Christ-centered book in the Bible. And the passage that we will look at today, these scholars designate as the most Christ-centered cluster of Scripture found in the book of Colossians. So the apostle will focus on Christ and on Christ alone. Today's text will be from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Hear now the word of God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. 
For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without, blame, without blemish and free from accusation. For if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that was, has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Now, this passage of Scripture is all about the supremacy of Christ. The Apostle will focus on the scope of Christ's supremacy, and then he will focus on the result of Christ's supremacy. The Apostle is exhorting the Christians at Colossae to focus on Christ and not to be taken captive by the elementary principles taught by these false teachers. Now, the Apostle declares three profound sweeping statements concerning the scope of the supremacy of Christ. First, Christ is supreme because he is the image of the invisible God. Second, Christ is supreme because he is the creator and sustainer of the universe and everything in it. And lastly, Christ is supreme because he is the head of the church. So, first of all, the apostle makes the point that Christ is supreme because he is the image of the invisible God. The apostle states it clearly. The Son is the image of the invisible God. The, Paul establishes, first of all, that Christ has always been, is, and will always be the complete and absolute representation of the invisible God to humanity. Now, it's important, this point is important because these false teachers were teaching that Christ was not complete Savior. So the Apostle wants to establish that Christ is superior because he was and is God. The writer of Hebrews explains to us in the opening scriptures in that book that the Son is the radiance of the Father's glory, the exact representation of the Father's nature. And the Apostle John writes in his gospel, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. The idea is no one has seen God the Father at any time. Only the Son has seen the Father and the Son has come 
to explain him. As the apostle will write in 2 Corinthians, the light of God's glory is fully revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of God's glory is fully revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. Therefore, Paul is making the point here that Christ is supreme because he is the perfect image of the invisible God. Now, secondly, the apostle will move on and establish that Christ is supreme because he is the creator and sustainer of the universe and everything in it. He writes in the second part of verse 15 through 17, Paul writes, The Son is the firstborn over all creation, and in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. It is, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Here we see the apostle declares that the Son is the firstborn of, crea- of all creation. The emphasis here is that Christ has supreme rank and rule over every created thing. Christ is not part of creation. He reigns superior over all creation. To use an image it's, it's, it's as if a king sitting on his throne who puts all things under his feet. Why? Because the king is supreme and ruler over all things. Now, in putting, uh, putting everything in subjection to him, he's left nothing outside of his control. Paul builds his case against these false teachers by stating, for In him, or if you would, by him, all things were created. Now, remember, these false teachers taught that a person needed mystical insights from angelic visions in order to receive the full knowledge of God. So here, Paul makes the point, Christ is superior to these angelic messengers. Why? Because he created them. Paul wants to make it clear that he means all things when he writes all things in heaven and earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and he holds all things together. Now, we put together this chart so that you might be able to understand Paul's logic So if you'll just work with me here, I have some pictures to show you. Everyone likes cartoons, right? First of all, Paul says that Christ created all things. But he wants you to understand the scope of what he means when he says that. So now he lists four other groupings to show that Christ is superior over all creation. So Christ created all things. But then he states, but not just things in heaven and on earth. So we see he created all things, all things in heaven and on earth. 
Now, the list that Paul is going to go through here, some theologians have tried to figure out, is he trying to give us like a, a, a hierarchy list? What's, what does this list mean? And really, I don't think there's any sort of reason to the order or anything like that. Outside is that Paul's trying to, to expand your understanding of the scope of Christ's supremacy over all created things. So, Christ created all things, all things in heaven and on earth, and then he goes on, also things visible and invisible, Christ created them as well. Whether thrones or powers, Christ created them. Whether rulers or authorities, Christ created them. So he's basically rounded out all the possibilities of what you might be thinking. Well, he might have, he didn't create this though. He didn't create that though. Paul's trying to create this whole universe of, for you to understand the fullness of Christ's supremacy. All things were created through him and for him. But Christ did not create all things to leave creation to govern and to guide itself. The cosmos was not created to exist in chaos, doing its own thing, going its own way, running willy-nilly around the universe, causing chaos and confusion. No. Christ is superior to all things. Why? Because he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. See what we did there? Christ is is supreme over creation, all creation, because he is the creator and sustainer of all things. Now, since Christ is the head over all rule and authority, well, he's certainly head over the body, the church. Paul continues, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. So the logic works like this. If things in heaven on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, are all subject to Christ's rule and authority, then doesn't it make sense that the church would be subject to Christ as well? Christ is the head of the church. He in himself being the savior of the body. Therefore, the church ought to be subject to Christ in all things. Since Christ is the head of the church, then his teachings are superior to some or any mystic angel. Since Christ is the head of the church, he's the one who directs us in all righteousness, not some traditions concocted by mere men, which Paul will explain later on in the book. The, the, the point is, is that the church should be big-headed. Not big-headed in foolish pride, but because Christ has grown so large in our hearts and in our minds. He's the head. Paul writes, he is beginning. He is in the beginning, showing that Christ is the origin and the source of life of the church that Christ is the origin and the source of life for every believer. In him is all things. Amen? Everything starts with Jesus. He is the Alpha. 
He is the head of the body. Not only in this life, but he's also the head of the body in the life to come. Because Paul continues, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the firstborn among the dead. Christ is, has, God has raised Christ up from the dead. And by doing so, he's done away with the agony of death, our last enemy. Christ has been exalted to the, his rightful seat at the right hand of the Father to rule and reign forever and ever. Amen? And as the firstborn among the dead, Christ has defeated the power of death. And he rules and reigns on high, receiving blessings and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, these three profound statements found in verses 15 through 18 that we just went through, ranging through from the Godhead to creation to the church. Paul has made these three statements, so as he writes at the end of verse 18, so that in everything Christ might have supremacy. That was his reading, reason for writing about the scope of Christ's supremacy. So that in all things and everything that Christ might have supremacy in the mind and the heart of the believer. God desires that Jesus Christ is number one for you. Now, after focusing on the scope of Christ's supremacy, the apostle now will focus on the result of Christ's supremacy. So, in typical Pauline fashion, Paul's the author of the book, and in, in, in the typical fashion of the apostle Paul, he will now revisit these three profound statements that he just made in verses 15 through 18. And he showed the scope of Christ's supremacy. And he will revisit them showing the result of that in the believer's life. The idea here is the apostle doesn't want the believer to conclude that Christ's supremacy only relates to the out there. He wants the Christian to understand that Christ's supremacy relates to the here and now. Christ is and has been the image of the invisible God. Christ is and has been the creator and sustainer of the universe. Christ is and has been the head of the church. But how do these truths relate to the believer here and now? So, as I mentioned, in typical Pauline fashion, the apostle will now revisit each of these points that he has just made, showing the present result of these truths for the believer here and now. The first point is that Christ was made, was, the first point that the apostle made was that Christ is the image of the invisible God. So now he wants to link that to a present result. So since Christ is the image of the invisible God, it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. If you'll take the first phrase 
that's found in verse 15. The sun is the image of the invisible God. And you link it to verse 19. God was pleased to have his fullness to dwell in him. This is the point. That the present result of the sun being the radiant glory of the father. And the exact representation of the father's nature. Is that we as believers can enjoy the fullness of God through Christ. Amen. We don't need a mediator. We don't need visions. We don't need some extra, extra religious rules or religious regulations to enjoy the fullness of God. That's what these false teachers were teaching. Paul's saying, we have Christ. And Christ is enough. Christ is all we need. Because in Christ, we enjoy the fullness of God. Christ is our all and all. Amen? Brothers and sisters, Christ fulfilled every dot and tittle of the law. Christ fulfilled all things written about the Son of God in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Christ fulfilled all the Old Testament sacrificial systems by offering up his own blood without blemish to God for the forgiveness of sins. The eternal Son of God became flesh so that we might see the light of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. You want to know God? You want to see God? Look at Jesus Christ. He's the fullness of the Father. The second point that the apostle made in the opening portion was that Christ is the creator and sustainer of all things. Now he links that to a present result. That since Christ is the creator and sustainer of the universe, the Father will reconcile all things through Christ. You take the second part of verse 15, for the Christ is over all creation, and then you link that to verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. The present result of Christ being over all creation is that all things will be reconciled through Christ. This is a blessing that we receive as believers, knowing that he's not only just the creator and sustainer of all things, but all things will be reconciled through him. The believer knows that creation is in constant decay since the fall. And according to his promise, we are looking to a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Amen? Christ will reconcile all created things by establishing a new heavens and a new earth at his second coming. In this falling world, we experience mourning, crying, pain. But Christ will make all things new. Christ will reconcile all things so that there will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. And for the believer, we will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. For this perishable 
will put on will put on the imperishable and this mortal will put on immortality why because god has given us victory over death through jesus christ our lord amen all things will be reconciled through christ because he is the creator and sustainer of the universe the last point the apostle made was that christ is the head of his church now he links that to its present result. Since Christ is the head of the church, we will be presented holy and blameless to the Father through Christ. Again, verse 18, he is the head of the church. Link it to verse 22, to present you holy in his sight. If Christ is your head, if you are in Christ, the present result is that you will be presented holy before God. That's the gospel. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. Why? To present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. As the Apostle Paul writes in Romans, who will bring charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Yes, Jesus Christ is he who died Rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, interceding for us. Why is he praying so much for you? Because he is going to present you holy and blameless without accusation to the Father. Why? Because he's the head of the church. Christ loves the church, as the apostle wrote to the Ephesians. And we see this because he gave himself up for her. Why? So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her with the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory with no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, notice, but that she would be holy and blameless. The present reality of the headship of Christ over his church is that we will be sanctified and cleansed by his word. Amen? That is what a believer should expect. The believer should expect that Christ will sanctify us and that he will wash us with his word, that we will bathe ourselves in Christ day after day after day to, to rid ourselves from the contaminants of this world. We do that by bathing ourselves in Christ, not some angelic messenger, not some traditions of men, but we perfect ourselves in Christ by bathing ourselves in Christ. Why? Because Christ is supreme. Now, Paul concludes this glorious passage by encouraging those in Christ at Colossae to continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. 
Now just listen to what he says. Listen, I'm telling you these things. I've given you the scope of Christ's supremacy. I've given you the result of Christ's supremacy to the believer's life in the here and now. And the reason why I did that is so that, you're, you, that you would continue in your faith. That you would be established and firm. That you would not move away from the hope that was held out in the gospel. Christ wants you to be mature and complete in Christ. So when he says held out in the gospel, what does that, what is the gospel? And here's the simple equation. Here's the simple equation. Jesus plus nothing equals the gospel. It's not Jesus plus some special angels. It's not Jesus plus religious rules and regulations. It's not Jesus plus this or Jesus plus that. It's Jesus plus nothing. Why? Because Christ is supreme. Christ is enough. Christ is all in all. You want the fullness of God? You have the opportunity to do that. Surrender yourself completely. Absolutely. Every day, every moment of the day to Jesus Christ. Paul is encouraging those in Christ at Colossae that to add nothing to the gospel, but rather to embrace the message that they had heard from the beginning. That Jesus plus nothing equals the gospel. And this is my challenge for those who are in Christ at Christ's Covenant Church. Continue in your faith. Be established and firm. And do not move away from the gospel. Jesus plus nothing. Exalt Jesus Christ as supreme in your life. In every decision you make, every reaction that you have, everything that you're facing in your life, a bad diagnosis, a big decision to be make it, made at work. What is it? What is the thing? And the answer that Paul's given us here is to hold on to the gospel. Look and ask God to show you the supremacy of Christ in all these decisions. To show you the, how you can radiate the supremacy of Christ in the way that we live our lives. That's the message for today. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we come to you thanking you for Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the creator and sustainer of all things, the head of the church. And, Lord, we glory in the fact that this is not some faraway reality, but there's present result for us today. Lord, because you are the, the full, full representation of the Father, we can have the fullness of God in our lives. We can know who God is, what God thinks, how God acts. We know your mindset, O oh Lord, because you've sent us your Son. And Lord, as the creator and sustainer of the universe, we thank you that even though we live in a fallen world, 
even, even we experience decay, that we can look and hope for that you will reconcile all things unto yourself. That there will be a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more mourning. And Lord, we thank you that you are the head of the church. And we thank you, Lord, because of your work upon the cross, your physical body being put to death, that we have the present result that you will present us holy before the Father. We come to you undeserving of such great news. But Lord, by your spirit, Lord, establish within us a firm resolve that it will be Christ and Christ alone in our lives. Jesus plus nothing so that we might live out the gospel in this world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.